go ahead and throw it on the screen. That'd be fine uh, so that those even on the internet can see it. Uh, but I've given you the sheet tonight. Uh, and uh, if you say, man, what is this chicken scratch? Who did that? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> so uh, that's my own drawing there. Uh, this was when I was studying um, end times uh, for myself and teaching through it and different things several years ago. And I didn't like, I was searching for and I was searching for a timeline that made sense to me and that showed everything and showed what I wanted to, to show. And I just couldn't find anything, so I drew it. And uh, this is what it came up with, and hopefully it's a blessing to you and help to you. It's, it's uh, got a lot of room to fill in notes and scripture next to it. And here's the reason for that. Uh, some of the things that I've, uh, the Lord has asked me to teach and preach on recently have had questions coming from it. Okay, and uh, obviously on Sunday morning we talked about the rapture and preaching of that. And through that, questions come. come. People ask questions. Uh, I believe, what was it, last Wednesday we talked about hell and, and how uh, uh, the difference between Abraham's bosom and hell during, before Jesus died on the cross and all of that. And questions came from that, right? Uh, well, what about hell and how does that differ from the lake of fire and things like that? Uh, and so tonight... We'll start this, I'm going to use this timeline, and uh, this, this is what helped me as I look at it. I like to see the whole picture here, but I'm going to give you scripture as we go along, uh, and I can tell you this, there's no way we'll get through all of it, uh, as it'll be, it'll be several weeks on this thing, but uh, I want to give you some scripture to help you study more later uh, on your own time, and hopefully answer some questions, and I'm sure more will come out of it. And be a help to you. This, as you know, as I preach, I talk about it often. I talk about end times often. I talk about what's coming. Because I've studied a little bit of it and I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do. It's exciting for the Christian if you're saved. What God's got planned in in prophecy. And so, uh, we'll begin this tonight. Let's pray one more time and we'll jump into it. Lord, I love you and I thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for even prophecy. God, you gave it to us. Uh, you told us, Lord, to study your word, to show ourselves, uh, uh, Lord, approved there, to, know, to be able to give an answer when, when folks ask. And I pray, God, tonight that you teach us and help us and use me, Lord, and however you see fit, uh, Holy Spirit, and, and help us, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you look at this timeline, and uh, fellows, I don't know if that's on the internet, on the whole screen or not, but you can... You can uh, take it down uh, on the corner or something uh, after a while. That'd be fine. Uh, thank you for that. You can see on here, as you're looking at the top one, uh, and it's, it has the cross and church age. After Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, uh, the, he left us here to have the church, right? The church, we're supposed to reach the world through the church. That's why we're supposed to go soul winning. Thank you for doing that. That's why we're supposed to give the missions. That's why we're supposed to reach the world. He's left us here for that purpose. And that's the church age. That's present day. And uh, what the bottom one here is Revelation chapters. Oftentimes people ask me, are you going to teach through Revelation? And usually my answer is no. (laughs) Uh, Revelation is not the only part of prophecy in Scripture, of coming prophecy. I've actually never taught straight through Revelation uh, I have taught the end times many, several times now, uh, and there's so much end times in the minor prophets. There's so much to do with the end times in the gospels. There's so much to do with the end times through the, the epistles of Paul 
and John and different things like, and even the letter of um, Revelation here. So uh, the the prophecy there of Revelation. And so what I've given you there below that is is Revelation does paint a picture of the timeline for us. Gives us a generic time frame of, of how things, uh, the process of things are going. And that's why I put it below there so you can see that and, and compare those with that. Okay. And so what I'm going to, so if you want to make notes, you might write this down so that you have this. Revelation gives us a picture of the timeline. And I'm going to give you scripture for each one of these things to help you and maybe perhaps uh, you'll study it on your own. I hope you do. I hope you're students of the Word of God. And that you'll ask questions and we'll, we'll study it together. It'll be a great time. All right. So Sunday morning, I spoke on the rapture. And I quoted many of these passages that I'm about to give you. And I want to give you these again so you can write them down and have them for yourself. Maybe this will be something you stick in your study Bible or, or, or in the back of your Bible or, or somewhere that you can reference when you have questions and you can write these things down. Mine looks similar to yours, but I have a lot of notes on it that I've made of my own. So uh, I'm going to give you some of those tonight. All right. So if you want to draw a line to the rapture and write these scriptures down, if you'd like to study more about the rapture, again, I, I preached on this Sunday, you'll go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Maybe you write this down for it to be a help to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. That's when Paul says uh, how, how those that we, again, the end of it says, uh, comfort one another with these words. Uh, we're supposed to comfort one another looking for what's to come, right? Uh, and uh, he talks about the dead in Christ shall rise first, and uh, then those that are alive and remain caught up and together with him in the air, Right? Uh, all those that passage there. Another one will be 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. And that passage right there, talking about it'll happen in the twinkling of an eye. Where the corruptible will put on incorruption. And the mortal will put on Im, uh, immortality. Death, where is thy sting? Uh, all of that. That's that passage there. Another one will be Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Actually, both Matthew 24 and 25 talk about the rapture there. And it also talks about the second coming of Christ. And a lot of times people can get those two confused. And we'll talk more about that. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44 will be a help to you. This is all having to do with the rapture. John 14, 3. Remember John 14? All right. Be not troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there may ye be also. Jesus Christ talking about coming to get us. All right. That's John, John 14, 3. All right. So before we go any further... Oftentimes, now I know who I'm talking to tonight. I'm talking to core believers. I get, these are folks that you're, on, you're here at church tonight because you're you're, it's on purpose. Right? You came to hear the word of God. And uh, oftentimes we get talking about the rapture and questions come up. You know, you hear, you hear these terms like pre-trib rapture. Okay, what do I mean by that? 
pre-tribulation rapture. That the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation on earth. But then you hear these other folks talk about mid-trib rapture and post-trib rapture. And where are they getting that stuff from? Where, where, where's it coming from? And, and this and that. Of course, the devil would like to get us off on our doctrine. He'd love to confuse us. And uh, be careful because there's a lot of stuff that's taught that is not right. Do I need, if we need to, we'll, just, we'll say the word again. YouTube. Be careful. Just because somebody's talking on YouTube doesn't mean they're right. Just like somebody who writes a book doesn't mean they're right. It used to be that, you know, man, this guy wrote a book and he got published. He must be really smart. There's a lot of dumb stuff written in paper. Amen? Be careful who you read. If you're a fundamental Baptist, maybe you need to focus on reading fundamental Baptists. Just be careful of that stuff. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to chew the meat and spit out the bones. I get that stuff. Not, nothing's perfect except the Word of God. We understand that. But uh, be careful what you read and what you listen to these days. All right, so let's talk about tribulation, right? Or pre-tribulation. I'm a pre-tribber. If you come to this church, you should be a pre-tribber too because that's what we preach here and that's what we believe here. That means Jesus Christ is coming back in the rapture before the tribulation. You might have heard the term hell on earth. You might have heard that. Some people believe that's accurate, that's accurate that we will go through parts of hell on earth during the tribulation. And, uh, and they, they believe, well, well, okay, why would somebody believe in a mid-tribulation rapture? Because the Bible talks about how that for half of the tribulation, so it's seven years long, and then half of that tribulation, three and a half years, there's going to be the Antichrist making treaties and bringing peace and all that kind of stuff. But there's still difficulties going on during that time. And then halfway through, he's going to go in and set up idol worship of himself in the temple of God in Jerusalem, and he's going to declare war on the Jews. And then a lot of people call the second half of the tribulation the great tribulation and all of that. And they think, well, we're going to be taken up halfway through at that time. There's, I don't see anything in the Word of God that supports that. I'm just to say that. I see nothing in the Word of God that supports that. Some people believe post-tribulation, that we're going to go through the tribulation, we're going to suffer with um, everybody else, and then Jesus Christ is going to come back and He's going to save us all and set up His kingdom and all that. Again, I have things that, re- that rebuke that in the Scripture that I don't believe that's biblical. I'm going to give you tonight some scripture why I'm a pre-trib rapture guy. And hopefully this will be a help to you. And uh, see that little section between heaven and tribulation on earth and seven years. I I have it scribbled in there why I believe in the pre-trib rapture. And you can make some notes if you'd like as well. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 30 tonight, please. Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30, and in Jeremiah 30 here, he's talking about the tribulation time. Now, in the Old Testament prophecies, they can be talking about both what's coming for them right in front of them and future judgment, of course. But here, and here Jeremiah is doing that very thing. Notice Jeremiah 30, please. And if you're taking notes... Why do I believe in pre-trib rapture? Number one, because it's 
tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble. Somebody tell me who Jacob is. It's Israel. That's Israel's name in the flesh. Jacob, when he was doing it his way and in his flesh, he was known as Jacob. But as soon as he met with God, remember he wrestled with God at the, the, by the uh, Jabbok River there that crossed over and he wrestled with God there. He named, changed his name to Israel and then he began, he became his spiritual uh, life with God. It was him walking, if we can compare it to New Testament, him walking in the spirit versus him walking in the flesh. Okay, and so anytime God calls his people Jacob, he's talking to sinful fleshly people. He's not talking about talking to spiritual people. All right. And so look at verse number seven. This is Jeremiah 37. It says, alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Okay. Now, if I was to take you through this chapter, you would see that it's talking about tribulation time um, as, we, as we see some of this, all right? So uh, if you look at verse, well, let, let's just go through, look, go, jump over to verse 11. Verse 11 says, For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee. When does that happen? That happens at the end of tribulation time when Jesus Christ comes back. And he makes a full end of all the nations that marched on Jerusalem. He's talking about the tribulation time. And in verse 7, he calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. So you want to write that down, Jeremiah 37. That is one reason why I believe in pre-trib rapture. It's not meant for the church. The, The tribulation is not meant for the church. That wrathful time of God bringing His wrath upon this earth is not meant for the church. It's meant for Israel. And unfortunately, the unsaved will have to go through that with them. Okay? And so, uh, number one, why I believe in pre-trib rapture is because it's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's meant for Israel, not for the church. Number two. Number two. If you would turn to the book of Revelation tonight. And we're going to use our Bibles a lot. I hope you're ready to do that. Book of Revelation tonight, you can, you can start uh, in first chapter. I'm going to review a little bit with you. The second reason I believe in pre-trib rapture is because the church is not seen in Revelation from chapters 6 through 18. The church is not seen in Revelation from chapters 6 through 18. What do you think is talked about during those chapters? The tribulation. And the church is not seen. Go with me in your minds for a second. We have the church in the book of Acts when, when Christ started it, right? He, Christ is the head of the church. He started the church, but then he ascended and he told them to get busy, right? And the Holy, Holy Spirit came down and the church took off, right? So we have the church all through the history of the church through the book of Acts. Then every single book from since then... Uh, from, from Acts on through Revelation, talks to the church, doesn't it? Either talks to assembly of believers as a church or individuals within the church. Yes? Every single one deals with the church. Jesus Christ is about the church. Then we get into Revelation. And look, chapter 1 
Talking to the church, chapter 2. Well, he's talking, chapter 1, he's setting up, he's setting it up, talking to John, telling him to write these things down, that he's going to speak to the churches in the verse 20. Chapter 2, he says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? That's the pastor of the church here. Then he goes on and he says, talk to the angel of the church of Pergamos and another one of Smyrna and another one of Thyatira. And he's talking to churches here in the first three chapters. Then we get to chapter 4. Notice this now. We get to 4 and it says, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me. Where's he at now in chapter 4? He's in heaven. So we were down in chapters 1, 2, and 3 talking about the church. And now in chapter 4, he's in heaven. And of course, look at verse number 4. This is Revelation 4, 4. Look at this. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning the throne, burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Look down at verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes. Oh, that's not what I wanted to read. Just a minute here. I was going down to uh, verse 10. Verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So chapters 1, 2, 3, we're talking to churches down on earth. Chapter 4, we're in heaven and you see men casting their crowns before the throne of God. You see that? That's who the elders are. Those are men casting their crowns there. Chapter 5. Just keep going with me, please. Chapter 5, we're still in heaven. All right? And um, if, you, if you don't believe that, you can read along there. Uh, you can see that he's talking about a book. Who can open the book? And all of that. And in verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. Talking about uh, the, the Lamb here. And uh, all of that. Then we get to chapter 6. And in chapter 6, they're still talking about these seals, and he's going to begin opening these seals. But never once in chapter 6 do you ever see the church mentioned. Go to chapter 7, you never once see the church mentioned. It's funny how most of the New Testament talks about the church. Matthew, the church was, was, Jesus said, I'm going to start the church. He taught them what they're supposed to do through the Gospels. In Acts, he taught them, there's the history. All the letters and epistles is about the church. You get to Revelation, and all of a sudden, chapter 6 through chapter 18 is really quiet. Why is that? Because the church isn't there. The church is not on earth during the tribulation time. That's why. And as you're reading through this, you'll see that. And there are people getting saved during the tribulation time, but that's not part of the church there. And you see people dying and, and uh, even going to heaven and all that and being counted uh, people that, that were saved, but that's not part of the church. And I'm not going to get into all that tonight. I'm trying to teach you where the church is. And then you get to Revelation 19. Look at this now. Revelation 19. When you know it, Revelation 19, we're back in heaven. Look at this now. 
And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power under the Lord our God. They're still worshiping him there. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And there's the four and twenty elders again. See that verse four? Let's skip down a little bit. And uh, look at verse six. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now verse seven. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Somebody answer this. Who's the lamb? It's Jesus. Who's the wife of Jesus? The bride. It's, it's the church. Okay. The wife of Jehovah is Israel. The bride of Christ is the church. He teaches us that in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That's us in heaven, right? We've, we're called unto the marriage supper, and we won't, we won't get into that tonight, but that's where we're at. So we don't see the church from, Gen, from Revelation 6 all the way to Revelation 18, but in 19 we see the church again. You know what's great? Uh, well, let me, let me not get ahead of myself. So number two, the church is not seen from Revelation 6 to 18. Number three tonight, why, am I, why do I believe in pre-trib rapture? Number three, the question, the, the, the question is, how can the church return with Christ at His second coming if we're still on earth? Again, how can the church, this is number three, how can the church return with Christ at the second coming if we're still on earth? Look at Revelation 19 here. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called what? The Word of God. This is Jesus getting ready to come down on his white horse for war. Look at verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in what? Fine linen, white and clean. Who was just dressed in fine linen, white and clean? The church, the bride of Christ. And out of his sword goeth a sharp, excuse me, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going a little fast tonight trying to cover all this. But listen, we come again with Jesus Christ in Revelation 19. It's going to be a great... Uh, I know a lot of you guys like to watch them old war movies about World War II and all that such and, and all that, you know, and... And uh, praise God for it. Praise God for all that. Amen. Hallelujah. But I, this is going to be one that I'm not going to miss. I'm telling you what. I want to see it. I don't know. I, I assume that when he says the sword comes out of his mouth that he's going to be speaking the word of God. Okay. But I still want to see it. 
You read that rest of that chapter, there's some crazy things going on. And he's going to take care of the, the armies of the, of the Antichrist. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to see it. I'm going to be me on a white horse. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be out there front going, yeah! You know, Brother Martini, you know, he's like the man, you know, top the bus, the newly painted bus where there's a sword out. I don't know. I'd be the red, white, and blue one, buddy. I don't know. Amen. Okay. But I don't know how that all works. But what I do know is that I'm coming with him. I don't know if he's going to let me have a part in it or if I'm going to have front row seats. But I'm going to be there. Amen. So how can the church come back with Christ if it's still on the earth? That's number three of why I believe in the pre-trib rapture. Amen? Number four. Number four tonight. John the Baptist preached to the Jews that they could flee from the wrath to come by repenting. Go with me, please, if you would. Luke chapter 3. The scripture for this is Luke 3, 7. Now we've seen that the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. And in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is preaching. And he's preaching to the Jews that come out to watch his baptisms. That he's, he's baptizing people after they repented back to God, getting ready for the Savior to come. And he, and he starts preaching to them. He says, you can flee the wrath to come by repenting. Now, Abraham was saved. We know he was in Abraham's bosom. He wasn't in hell. We talked about that last week. And why? It was his faith was counted for righteousness. Yes? Yes. Amen. He believed what God said he was going to do, he would do. And he trusted in the Savior to come. And uh, here John is preaching that same stuff. Look at Luke 3. In verse 2, the second part of the verse says, The word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That's that, what that means is turning back to God. And when you do that, you're going to, you, he baptized them. All right? As it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Look at verse 6. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. In another, another passage, I believe in Matthew, it says he, he spoke right to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was talking to Jews. And he said here, old generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? In other words, who's been preaching to you that you need to escape that wrath that's supposed to come? Praise God, when you get saved, you don't have to go through the tribulation time. Okay? Well, Jews can be saved too. A messianic Jew, one that believes in Christ, praise God, being doubly blessed. Hallelujah. Why wouldn't Jesus call, call uh, rapture them home too? Amen? And he's saying here that you can flee that wrath to come. Go with me. Uh, well, I thought I wrote another passage, but that's okay. Uh, so that was number four. John the Baptist preached to the Jews that they could flee the wrath to come. All right? Now, number five, and this is the last one, and I'll be done. We shall be saved from wrath. Let me give you this scripture. We shall be saved from wrath. That's Romans 5, 9 and 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. If you're taking notes. We shall be saved from wrath 
Romans 5, 9, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. And then write this down. The tribulation is called the great day of his wrath. That's Revelation 6.17. Revelation 6.17. All right, so let's look at some of this passage, some of these scriptures here. Go with me real quick now, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I know we're getting deep tonight. Hope you're. Uh, brought your steak knife and enjoying it now. I'm getting deep in some of this prophecy, right? But we got to know this stuff. If somebody comes along and says, well, I don't know about all that stuff. We're going to be in, our, in the tribulation and it's already going on. I'm seeing signs everywhere and all that. That's not Bible. We got to be able to defend what we believe. Amen? So Romans chapter 5 here. And look at verse 9. Well, let's look at verse 8. We know Romans 5, 8. Look what it says. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Watch this now, verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. That just means God declared us righteous, justified because of the blood of Christ. That's what that means. Be, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Amen? Amen. Doesn't get much clearer than that. Okay, now, I'm not going to take you to 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10, but I want you to write it down because it's more defense of that same thing. It's another passage. But go with me to Revelation 6, please. In Revelation 6, we see the seals start opening. And the seals are the beginning of the judgments on earth during the tribulation. If you remember, some of you Bible students and some of you that studied this stuff, you have three sevens, don't you? Right? You have the seals, you have the trumpets, and you have the vials or the bowls. Whatever it's, the Word of God calls them vials, right? And those different judgments. And he starts opening those seals here in chapter 6. Look at, uh, let's see here. Look at verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts, four beasts saying, Come and see. All right? And uh, he's opening these seals. These are judgments. Now look down at verse 17. Well, let's back up to 16. Verse 16 of chapter 6. And, these, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. People on earth will want to die because they don't like the wrath. They, they can't handle it. and they, they desire to die. Look at verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? So the tribulation is called the great day of his wrath. And the Bible tells us multiple times that we can escape the wrath of God. Alright, so five reasons tonight why I believe in pre-trib rapture. Number one, it's the called the tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 37, 30 verse 7. It's meant for Israel, not for the church. Number two, the church is not seen from Revelation 6 all the way to Revelation 18 when God describes the tribulation. Number three, how can the church return with Christ? In Revelation 19, if it's still on earth. 
can't. Number four, John the Baptist preached to the Jews that they could flee from the wrath to come by repenting. And that's Luke 3, 7. And lastly tonight, we shall be saved from wrath. That's Romans 5, 9 and 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. And the tribulation is called the great day of his wrath. Revelation 6, 17. I hope this is a help to you because I need to know this as your pastor and defend what I believe. But here it is. You're not exempt from that. What if you get talking to somebody? Say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I come to your church, but you all preach pre-trib rapture, and I'm not one of them peoples. And, and they start questioning and start asking questions. Or, or maybe they come in a good spirit and say, hey, teach me why you believe what you believe. And they're ready to say why they believe what they believe. Most of the time, people that are wrong doctrinally, they take one verse. One verse. They don't compare Scripture. And they, and they run with it. Where do you think... Um, predestination comes from. Ephesians chapter 1, I think it is. One verse they'll take and they'll run with it and say, well, God predestined me to, to be go to hell. That's not Bible. But they take one, they wake one verse. But I can take multiple verses. You need to know what you believe. And hopefully that's a help to you. Keep that timeline, please. Keep that timeline. We're going to go through it. I'm going to give you some passages of Scripture, why I believe this is the way it is, help you to grow in this area, and to defend what you believe. Okay? Amen? Everybody with me? Amen. Hopefully it's a help to you. All right? Sure is a help to me when I study these things and I get grounded in the Word. Let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for God teaching us doctrine. And, uh, Lord, this is a doctrine of the Word of God, eschatology, the study of end times. And I pray that...